0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. It's late February. Generally not a whole lot going on in the college football world at this time of year. But there was a significant development with regards to Penn State football uh, just a few days ago that I want to get into. That's with regards to Beaver Stadium. I've always found Beaver Stadium to be Really a fascinating topic for a number of reasons. Penn State and Penn State fans take such tremendous pride in Beaver Stadium. 107,000 fans, the whiteout, the incredible student section. If you're a Penn State fan of any age, young or old, you probably have had some fantastic experiences inside Beaver Stadium and when you watch games on TV you see that Beaver Stadium is an incredible home field advantage for Penn State and truly one of the great stadiums in the country without question at the same time and if this offends any Penn State fans i i i i think you you would have to agree with me i don't really understand why you wouldn't agree with me when i say that beaver stadium is kind of a dump it is old and ratchety and there are all kinds of problems underneath. See, when you're on the outside and you're with all the fans and, and you're having a good time, there's so much, uh, good about Beaver Stadium. When you go underneath and you see some of the infrastructure and you're thinking, okay, geez, hopefully the stadium is going to be okay. It's old and dirty and, All these bleachers are not comfortable. You're crammed in there. Yes, they see you can get 107,000 plus fans in there, but you're going to be crammed in there like sardines and it's going to be really tight and probably uncomfortable. And so we've had this question for a number of years about whether or not Penn State should renovate Beaver Stadium or just go ahead and scrap the whole thing and rebuild another stadium. All right. So we finally got a, a confirmation on this Friday from Penn State officials at a board of trustees meeting. Dr. Neely Bendapudi, the Pre- Penn State president addressed the board of trustees and then issued, they, sta- they issued statements saying extensive, after extensive research and consultation, renovation for Beaver Stadium is the direction we want to take as far as more economical than a new build. All right, this is not a surprise. Back in December, Pat Kraft, during a press conference at Beaver Stadium, basically said that they were going to to renovate. He said, look, I'll tell you, we're very proud of having 107,000 and over 100,000 fans. No one is building a 100,000-seat stadium. Well, bingo, there was the dead giveaway right there. All right, because here's where money and pride intersect and really reputation and tradition intersect. I'll ask everybody the question do you think Beaver Stadium should re- be, should be rebuilt or renovated Now in a in, in, you know in, in a perfect world, you would find the perfect spot pretty close by on campus and build another, 107 or 110,000 seat stadium that would be way, 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 way better than the dump that is currently Beaver Stadium. And I do think that they could find ways to make all of the atmosphere inside just as good, if not better. The views would be just as good, if not better. The comfortability would be just as good, if not better. Ah. Let me repeat the quote from Pat Kraft back in December once again. No one is building 100,000 seat stadium. That's important to us. I think that's an important piece to who we are. Okay, Penn State's not going to go build a 90 to 95,000 seat stadium. They're not going to give up the. Branding of 107,000 strong. So just from a sheer pride standpoint, from a sheer pride standpoint, the people associated with Penn State, the university and the football program are not going to give that up. And I think that really has been pretty clear for a while that there's no way that we're going to drop below 100,000. Look, they need... They need all these seats. They need all this revenue from these football games in the huge stadium to help pay for everything. I just wrote this uh, at DK Pittsburgh Sports on Friday, how football is the cash cow that pays for everything. All right, so there's no way they're going to build anything less than 100,000 or 100-plus-thousand-seat 100 stadium. And so then the question basically became, could they afford to build another hundred? five hundred ten thousand C stadium A- and look when you it's easy to spend somebody else's money it's easy to say oh if it's going to cost this just go ahead and do it if it's going to cost that go ahead and do it because we as fans or, or whatever in life it, like i said it's easy to spend other people's money I- i've always estimated i've talked about this topic many many times over the years on my radio show in Central PA. I've always estimated the new stadium would cost $1.5 billion. I, I, To be honest with you, I think that number is probably way low. I think it'd be at least $2 billion to build another 100,000-seat stadium. I think it might be 2500000000 billion. I've got friends that have been building houses over the past couple of years. They started the process, and the price on their house was going to be a certain amount. And then because of just the incredible inflation and construction costs, now the price a year later, if they're not done or they're still looking to build another house, these prices have gone up 20, 30, 40 percent. I've thrown out the $1.5 billion figure for a new stadium for six, seven, eight years. That number might be two and a half billion. Hell, it could be three billion to build a 100 plus thousand seat stadium. And so, again, if you just couple these two things, I just doubt that Penn State's going to whatever even think about building something less than 100000 And then it just becomes a cost and feasibility matter that is the university truly going to undertake a two to two and a half billion dollar project? No, Uh, no, it's not going to happen. So. Beaver Stadium is going to stay. Beaver Stadium is going to be around for a long, 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 long time. I hope with this renovation, which we look, we have no answers. We have no answers. We're going to get no answers. I was at the press conference. I want to say it was 2017, maybe 2018 with Sandy Barber when she talked about uh, when they first introduced the facilities master plan and what Beaver Stadium might look like with an overhaul. This is six years ago. And really none of the major work has been done yet. And now we hear they're going to have more studies, you know, more, uh, more research into all this. They'd have to put bids out. I don't know when any of this is going to happen. I don't think Penn State knows when any of this is going to happen. I do know the stadium is a dump. I do know that a lot of people do not like attending games at Beaver Stadium any longer. Uh, just simply because it's not overly comfortable. It, it's, it's not in, in, in any way friendly to elderly people. And that's a big problem for Penn State because you're talking about a fan base that has long been by and large an older fan base that ha- has just loved going to the stadium. You'll hear stories talk people that loved going in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. Uh, but. I mean, the stadium just got really, really, really old and really uncomfortable. So it's going to stick around. What are they going to do with the stadium? I, I put it in a story and I've heard some people suggest this. Maybe you build it in set in uh, sections for you know, you take a quarter of the stadium, and over the course of a year or two, you rebuild that quarter of the stadium and you make the stadium brand new. And then over the next year or two, you do another quarter and then another quarter and another quarter, five, six years later. You essentially have a brand new stadium where everything is new and it, it you know, could end up being really, really cool. But you're talking about five, six years of of hassle and uh, smaller crowds because they'll have to close off parts of the stadium. I, I'm no construction at work expert. I'm no engineer. I don't know exactly how they're going to pull this off. At least we have an answer now. We don't have to talk about rebuilding the stadium any longer. I hope they get this right because I I just have a hard time believing if they're going to do this renovation right, if they're going to do all of it, right, including all of the underbelly, all of the exterior. I mean, you got, you, you can't be sitting there with a hundred plus thousand uh, seat bleachers. I mean, that's not, that's just not the way to go. I, I think this is going to be such an incredibly massive undertaking that I've got to think it's going to be at least a billion dollars just to renovate it. (laughs) And you just shake your head and laugh and think about the enormity of what I just mentioned. I always thought it'd be five, six, seven hundred million. But man, the stadium is so big, I think, to to do it right. And again, this is the key. If they're going to do it right, not half-ass it, not keep 100,000 seat bleachers, you know, and just work on the understuff. Do it the right way. Yeah, it's going to cost a ton of money. Is it better to spend a billion dollars to renovate it or $2 billion to build a new one? Well, we've got our answer finally. And uh, I hope they make the right decision. We're not going to know if it's the right decision for a number of years until we see the final dollar figure, if we ever do. But, uh, boy... I just hope they get this process undergoing here before too long, um, because the stadium is in dire need of a lot of work and it's, it, it's just time. It's, it's long, long past time to get these projects underway. Welcome back to the We Are podcast. I want to spend a few minutes here diving into something that is just mind-boggling to me, and that is the Will Levis draft situation. I this is not you know Penn State. He, he's not a Penn State player, former Penn State player who had transferred to Kentucky, but I have just f- found this whole thing regarding this love affair with will levis to be uh <laughs> just so peculiar okay um I, l- l- let me let me start from the very beginning okay when when will levis was at penn state we heard a lot about man this guy's got a cannon this guy's got such a great arm never saw it never saw it I don't think that the Penn State coaches really knew what to do with Will Levis when he was at Penn State. They had Sean Clifford, who had a really good year in 2019, and they went out and won the Cotton Bowl and finished 11-2, and two, and you're not replacing that guy as quarterback. So you've got Will Levis, and then you know you're preparing him to be a quarterback, but then 2020 comes around. You lose Journey Brown to the medical red shirt or to the medical retirement. You lose Noah Kane, the first series of the season at Indiana. Now they're down to two freshman running backs in Kevon Lee, Kazai Holmes. So basically, Will Levis ended up kind of having to be more of a running back with that particular team. And what's interesting about the whole dynamic with Will Levis, James Franklin, Sean Clifford, all of it is Sean Clifford is not going to be drafted. Period. He's not going to be drafted. I don't know that Sean Clifford will ever make a practice team, practice uh, camp team in the NFL practice squad. I don't, uh, I don't know that Sean Clifford has, has any future in the NFL in any capacity. Maybe he does. I hope he does. He's a smart guy. You do kind of root for him. He's a good leader. Uh, And if he does, great for him. He'll have overcome obstacles. Will Levis is looking like a top five, top ten draft pick. So on the surface, you say, man, oh, man, Franklin really effed that up. How did they not see what they had in Will Levis? And yet they keep playing this guy, Sean Clifford. Now Levis transfers and he becomes a first round pick. I was kind of in that camp for a long time, folks. I was in that camp after 2020, 2021. You see that Sean Clifford was an average college quarterback. That's all he really ever was. And then you start, especially in 2021, when Will Evis was at Kentucky doing really good things. Um, Kentucky had a strong season. He did well individually. They had a good offensive line. They had a good team all around him. And you you see the comparison. You see the way Penn State struggled. And you're like, okay, man, this is going to be a gigantic embarrassment for James Franklin and Penn State. How in the world do you let Will Levis go, and he ends up being a top five or top ten draft pick, and you're sitting here stuck with Sean Clifford? All right. So then you come to the 2022 season, and this is where our entire perception of so many things changed because they went 11-2 and and won the Rose Bowl. Our perception of Sean Clifford had to change. Did he have a great season? No. Did he improve in some areas? Yes. Did he rewrite his legacy to a degree at Penn State? Absolutely. He went eleven and two and won a Rose Bowl. Did James Franklin make the wrong decision continuing to play Sean Clifford over Will Levis? Ah, that's where things get very intriguing because Will Levis is far far more skilled than Sean Clifford from a sheer. Skill standpoint, Will Levis has more physical skills and ability than Sean Clifford. But was Will Levis going to go any better than 11 and 2 in 2022 for Penn State? See, I doubt it. Even if Penn State goes 9 and 4, you could still say James Franklin messed up by giving up on Will Levis and picking the wrong quarterback. But I don't, you can't say that anymore. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, they lost to Michigan. Yeah, they lost to Ohio State. Were they going to beat Michigan and Ohio State with Will Levis? See, I don't I don't really think so. All right. Um so that's why again the way things turned out with the 11 and 2 with the Rose Bowl. Even if Will Levis is a top 5 or top 10 draft pick, will we still be able to criticize James Franklin? For making the wrong decision at quarterback. My answer. As I. Sit here on February 19th. 2023. Is I don't know. I really don't know. Because. I I, I do believe. The 11 and 2 record. In Rose Bowl victory. Was probably the pinnacle for Penn State. Whether it's Sean Clifford. Or Will Levis playing quarterback. At the same time, what if, what if I do have to, I do have to acknowledge this is at least a possibility. What if Will Levis is a top, top, top five or top 10 quarterback in the draft and he goes on to have a really, really good NFL career? All right. <laughs> we can play armchair quarterback eight to 10 years from now and look back and say, man, oh man, what in the hell was James Franklin thinking? And a, uh, whether that's fair to James Franklin in eight or 10 years, I don't know. But now let me kind of get back to where I stand today because everything I just mentioned was really kind of recapping all of it up until now. This love affair for Will Levis is absurd the, by NFL draft teams. This love affair. In trying to take think that he's going to be a top five or top ten pick, I simply cannot wrap my mind around it. I know he's got all these skills and all these tools. The guy was lousy in a lot of ways for Kentucky in 2022. Okay, he lost a lot of offensive linemen. He was getting sacked a lot and hit a lot. And he wasn't. He didn't have the kind of players around him. And he still got all these tools. But it just what bothers me about, especially quarterbacks, these so called smart people in the NFL fall in love with these dudes wearing shorts in warmups at camps. They fall in love with the arm strength, they fall in love with all of these other things. that that don't really have to do with playing the game of football. They fall in love with the skills. And I went back and watched a good bit of Will Levis game film from 2022. I did this for a couple, two or three hours. A couple months ago, I wrote something extensive on this. And I just simply wasn't all that impressed. I don't think his decision-making is very good. I don't think his ability to look off one receiver and find somebody else is very good. I don't think the things that he's going to need to do in the NFL to be a good quarterback, I don't think he's really good at them. Oh, but he can chuck a ball 70 yards, and he's got a quick release. And when he shows up at the combine wearing shorts and doing all this stuff, he's going to look really, really good. And these NFL people are going to go, ooh, Will Levis. Ah, Will Levis. Look at that cannon, Will Levis. Next, Josh Allen, Will Levis. And then they're not going to ask himself if he's any damn good as a quarterback. And that's the issue with regards to falling in love with a guy based on his skill set. I have said for several months, Will Levis is a third or fourth round pick who should be a prospect. I'm sorry, a project in the NFL, a project quarterback. Let him come in, sit for two or three years, learn, and then maybe two, three years down the road, he becomes a better quarterback to equal his skill set. Because I feel very confident that what's going to happen with Will Levis is if he's drafted in the top five, top ten, He's going to be forced into a starting role very, very early and he is absolutely going to suck. And then all of these, all of this potential, all these skills that everybody thinks that he has, they're going to realize, Oh man, he's just not a very good quarterback. He looks really good. Oh, Geiger, but what about Taysom Hill? He could be another Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill was not drafted, by the way. Taysom Hill was not drafted at all by anybody, let alone in the top five picks, all right, or top 10 picks. So you can try to compare him to anybody that you want, but that doesn't mean that, one, he is even as good as some of these folks, and, two, that he should be drafted in the top 10, for goodness sake. Uh, again, I just see him as a project quarterback. Did James Franklin make the wrong decision and sticking with Sean Clifford over Will Levis? Hey, I don't know how you can really argue that when Penn State went 11 and two and won the Rose Bowl in 2022 and Will Levis struggled at Kentucky. Now, if Will Levis goes on to become a star, sure. We'll, we'll have to revisit this over time every couple of years to see what happens with Levis. And I wish him well. I don't, I don't have any ill regard for the guy. I got to deal with him a couple times. Good kid. Seems to be like a nice dude. He's got crazy habits where he likes to eat bananas with the peel on and drink coffee with mayonnaise in it. That's disgusting. But I wish him well. I hope he does well. But to think of that Will Levis is a top, top five or top ten draft pick in the NFL is ludicrous to me. Right, welcome to the third and final segment of the We Are podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Want to talk a little bit of basketball here. Penn State, uh, late Saturday night, went out to Minnesota, uh, was in a real tough game. Minnesota led, I think it was 52-50, and then all of a sudden Jalen Pickett took over. Penn State won the game. Pickett finished with 32 points in that one, and that was coming off after a 41-point Uh, outing in Penn State's win over Illinois. 41 points was the most any Penn State player has scored since December of 1961, for crying out loud. So the most points by a Nittany line player in 61 years for Jalen Pickett. Okay, so Penn State is now 7-9 and in the Big Ten. That was a big win over Illinois uh, because you take a look at the schedule. Minnesota's god-awful. They're 1-13 in the league, so you had to figure Penn State would win that, and it did. They're now 7-9. and Now Penn State goes to Ohio State on Wednesday. Ohio State's having a horrible year, surprisingly. The Buckeyes just generally don't crap the bed like this. They're 3-12 and in the Big Ten. And so if Penn State can win there, now you're back to 8-9, and and now do you kind of start to think, okay, well, you know, Getting back to bubble territory, the final three games of the regular season then would be at home against Rutgers on uh, February 26. That's next Sunday at Northwestern. That's going to be a really tough game, really, really tough. Hey, <laughs> kudos to Northwestern. That is a very, very difficult place to win. They're they're ten and five in the league, nineteen and seven overall. They're going to the tournament. Good job by those guys. It's just their second tournament appearance. Ever, if indeed they do make it, which they should, and then Penn State closes at home against Maryland. So you're talking if Penn State win if if, if Penn State could run the table here, and, and that's what it's going to take. Ten and ten, I just don't I don't think ten and ten is going to cut it because these are bad teams by and large that Penn State's beating. Uh, now if they can beat Rutgers, Rutgers is a good team. They're nine and seven league. They're a pretty good team. It would be a really good win at Northwestern. So maybe, and I don't want to say never, uh, but maybe 10 and 10 if they win, if they beat, at, win at Northwestern, if they can win at Northwestern and that's one of the, one of the games they win and you're 10 and 10 there, that Northwestern game would be a good one. Um, but again, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking they've got to win all four of these games. And if they win all four of these games, now we're looking at 8 at 11 and 9. And hey, uh that would include a win over Rutgers and a win at Northwestern and what would be a six-game winning streak to end the regular season. Don't write them off yet. I I I was kind of writing them off after the loss to Maryland. That was their fourth straight loss and they were 5 and 9. And then the Illinois game, that was a monster monster victory with Pickett scoring 41. So, you can at least kind of maybe cross your fingers and think, okay, could Penn State win these next four and get to 11 and 9. Now, don't be at all surprised if they go to Ohio State on Wednesday and lose. Ohio State's terrible, uh, but you know, this this Penn State team is so Jekyll and Hyde. It's just hard to it's just hard to envision them Running off a six-game winning streak with with four with three of these games being on the road, but it does bring me to Jalen Pickett and what that guy has meant to this team when he when you have a guy that can just put everybody on his back and he was incredibly efficient in the forty-one point game, fifteen or twenty from the field, and in his thirty-two point game against uh, Minnesota on uh, on Saturday night, he started off. A really, really efficient. He ended up 11 of 20 from the field the and 6 of 7 from the uh, – 11 of 20 from the field, 6 of 7 from the free throw line. So still a pretty efficient game for 32 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, all of that stat stuffing. So almost, almost had a triple-double with 32 points. This guy, his ability to take over games uh, and, and, and put the team on his back, I – I, I'm I'm still just so hesitant in buying into Penn State fully because I just think, hey, what if Pickett has a down game? I, I just don't think there ever the, the, there are enough pieces of the puzzle there to um, get the job done without him. But if he ends up having a Superman finish and he pulls a, 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 a some magic out of his hat here down the stretch over the final couple weeks. Is it at least still possible Penn State could could run the table here? It is. I don't think it'll happen, but it is something we at least need to keep an eye on here uh, with four games left in the regular season. All right, folks, appreciate everybody for tuning in to the We Are podcast this week. We'll have a lot more coming up next week. We'll see what foot, football developments happen here over the coming days. Until then, we'll talk to you next week.